Hey, and welcome to the show today. You're listening to Sensensa.com, Feel Your Heart podcast. And we have another really great show for you today. Susan Bratton is a champion and advocate for all who desire passionate relationships. Consider the Dear Abby of Sex, Susan's fresh approach and original ideas have helped millions of people of all ages and across the gender spectrum transform sex into passion. She's been married to her husband since 1993, and Susan is also an author and award-winning speaker and serial entrepreneur who teaches passionate lovemaking techniques to her fans around the world. She's featured on multiple outlets from the New York Times to CNBC and the Today Show, as well as appearing on ABC, CBS, The Fox, and NBC. So she is very well known in the field of sexuality. Today you'll learn about your sexual potential and how to dive into sexual bliss. This podcast is made by Sensensor.com, the leading relationship institute for relationship skills and courses based on science made practical. To get the one hour free webinar that will give you the key skills to get a safe, intimate and passionate relationship, just go to Sensensor.com and sign up. The link is in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and leave a review. It really helps me keep the positive energy going to make more podcasts. Let's head over and speak to Suzanne. I think I want to start with, yeah, maybe also a, a maybe more personal question, but I heard you talk about in some of your other podcasts how your journey started and how you actually came to a place in your marriage where you felt you lost some of that sexual desire with your husband and bringing that into a wider content of maybe you can talk a bit about why is it that people lose that desire for each other? And also, I guess the second part of that is what can people then do to rekindle that? Well, you're really asking me my origin story about what it is that got me into teaching people how to do what I call um, turn having sex into making love. And that was 15 years ago that my marriage almost fell apart. And in the last 15 years, I've taken workshops, I've read a thousand books, <laughs> I've written 2,000 articles, I've written 34 books with lovemaking techniques and communication skills and things like that. Um, I've sold thousands and thousands and thousands of advanced orgasm techniques programs, and I've answered thousands upon thousands of emails from people asking me questions about their relationship and their sex life. So when I look back on all of those experiences, and I think about not only what happened to my marriage, which was in a nutshell, that after about a decade of having sex with my husband and never having an orgasm from intercourse, I really just didn't want to do it anymore. There was really no pleasure for me in continuing to, to, to have sex. That's what my husband and I did in our early years. We had sex. Um, and I just pulled away from him. And then he disconnected emotionally and decided to stay in the marriage, but have, have affairs to get his sexual needs met because he loved me, loved our daughter. He wanted to be in our, our family. We were good friends. We had a good platonic marriage. And when we thought about getting divorced, we said, well, maybe we should just try to fix this. Let's get to the root cause of what happened here. 
And for me, and for many women, one of the reasons that we were not able to have great sex, and this is all hindsight is 2020, Thomas. <laughs> hindsight is 2020 really netted out at, the, at a couple of things. And I think these are the big themes of the conversation. The first one was if if she's not having incredible orgasms during sex, work on that first because it is so much easier for the average man to have great orgasms than the average woman. That's number one. Number two, it's there's two, a couple of things. My mind goes in a million ways, but I'm really trying to give you the priorities. The second thing is that genital touch for both men and women, but particularly for women, plenty of genital touch is really, really re required. But the problem is that women are shy about our genitals. For some reason, we're ashamed of them. We're embarrassed. We're unsure if they smell good, look good, taste good. We don't want to show them. We don't look at them ourselves. We're not societally, societally or socially conditioned to really look at our genitals, like men are, because they're kind of innies instead of outies, they need a lot of engorgement and blood flow. And women, A, don't allow themselves to be touched and pleasured to the point where they get full engorgement. So they're constantly having sex without an erection, is basically what it comes down to in, a, in the terms of a, a man's thinking, you know, to make it easy for people. Um, and so how long are people going to keep doing that and still be interested. And another thing that I think people don't understand is that um, penetration orgasms are a learned skill, that there are some people who are naturals at it for whatever reason. Uh, their parts are arranged in a certain order. They have a certain physiology. There's a certain biodynamics between the penis and the vagina of their pairing. Who knows what it is? Um, but for the large majority of women, they're not having orgasms from intercourse, or they had them early on and they lost them because women get just as bored as men with the same old, same old. And for most men, they stop romancing her. They stop holding her. They stop doing the emotional bonding things that keep her connected and they default to penis and vagina sex. So if the woman's already not having it, she might get bored with that. It's not enough for her. Goes back to not enough engorgement, not enough genital touch, not enough slow sex, not enough connected sex. I mean, all of these things are the things that create this environment of boredom. We're always doing the same thing. We've got this, you know, we're not, we're not doing anything new. There's nothing exciting about having sex with my partner. So if you look at the combination of, I'm not having great orgasms. I'm not, I'm having sex without an erection. I'm having the same kind of sex I've always had. I'm bored with my partner. That's just what happens because people literally don't understand things like female orgasm. It's a learned skill. Women think, women always think it's their fault and men think it's her fault too. <laughs> I've seen that pattern and, uh, you know, just like played out in a million dramas. Um, if she can't orgasm, she thinks it's her. Oh, I'm not, I'm just not the kind of woman who can have an orgasm. You know, it's just, it's just not what, I, what my body can do. That's utter 
nonsense. That's just a lack of understanding about how to fill the erectile tissue with blood and keep the brain excited about making love. So when you come down to the fundamental dynamics, it's variety and novelty, excitement, plus trust and comfort, those two things in equal measure, with plenty of genital engorgement, blood flow to her genitals as well as his genitals. Um, I hope that answers the question. It does to a very big deal. So thank you so much. And uh, to I know the majority of listeners out there on this podcast are women, so get your men to listen to this too. Because um, I think it's really about getting this education on both sides, right? Because it's not really about the blame game about you're wrong, it's your fault. It's more about that we all become educated and kind of understand how we can improve this. And I think you really touched a lot about the accelerators. So, you know, how we can get more excitement, how we get turned on and what's really lacking here to to get that turn on. What I want to touch a bit about as well are the breaks or the things that kind of stop excitement from building and just to mention a few to people out there that don't know what I mean it could be things such as you know excessive stress it could be sleep deprivation it could be you mentioned one of them bad body image that we learn certain part of our body is not attractive that shuts down that response it can be trauma which I know you talked a bit about on other podcasts and how to release that trauma to allow ourselves. Um, and yeah I just want to focus a bit on these these different breaks that obviously stop the sexual energy from even flowing in the first place, even if we are standing on top of the accelerator. And I wonder, could you maybe, yeah, talk a bit about how can we help our partner get the foot off the brake if, if they're stuck in some of this, whether it's trauma, body image, sleep deprivation, or just overall stress day to day, dealing with kids, work, etc. All right. Well, I'm going to answer your question in a masculine, feminine, heterosexual dynamic. Okay. Okay. So how does the masculine support the feminine in surrendering to her pleasure consistently and positively and willingly and excitedly? I think I want to clear up some, some misunderstandings about the masculine-feminine dynamic as well. The first thing is that men have um, a competitive advantage around sex, if you will, in that they have a higher amount of testosterone. So both the male and female body have testosterone. And testosterone is a big part of what fuels our sex drive, our confidence, our forging ahead. It is our balls, if you will, right? <clears throat> so because men naturally have higher testosterone, they they are more frequently aroused and want sex more often than women do. Women have lower testosterone and they're hormonally cyclical. So they want sex at different times in their cycle. And even postmenopausal women are still hormonally cyclical. So you have, you have to take that into effect. The second thing is that a lot of men get very angry at their female partners because she never initiates sex. <clears throat> there are a couple of things that feed into that. One is just the natural dynamic that she's generally less ready to go than he is. The second thing is that she's been culturally brought up to provide rather than to push. So there's a cultural piece to this that cannot be 
underappreciated. Um, so those two things are really important. A lot of men take it very personally that they feel that they are being rejected a lot. So there's, and then they get angry and they emotionally disconnect. They take it personally. What most women need, it, and what, what a lot of women say to me is, I wish he would just take me away. I wish he would transport me into an erotic adventure. I wish he would get me where I need to go. But men are fearful of pushing their needs, forcing a woman to do something she doesn't want to do. You know, so there's <clears throat> that, that, that's a big difficulty right there as well. So often what really helps is constant holding and touch. And holding and touching not to get sex so that a woman is getting oxytocin, she's getting touch and reassurance, she's getting love, she's getting being held, she's getting a kiss, she's getting her hair stroked, not just when he's trying to turn her on, so that they have a very close and common physical bond, a limbic connection. So she can come to him anytime and sit on his lap or have him hold her or he holds her hand, he gets her car door, he opens the door for her. He's creating that masculine safety and polarity and connection. Second thing is telling her that she is beautiful. Verbal appreciation that is in equal doses that he loves her and adores her and that he finds her sexually irresistible. Because women have very low sexual self-confidence and they need to be encouraged by their masculine partner. So baby, you're so beautiful to me. You look so hot. Your butt looks great in those jeans. You look gorgeous today. You're such a pretty woman. Um, I love you so much. It's been so fun to go to the grocery store and just go to lunch together today, whatever. Just a constant amount of verbal appreciation to reassure her that she is beautiful because estrogen makes her worried about things. Estrogen is a molecule. This is why women have a hard time getting out of their head and into their body because they're always thinking about a million things because they've got to keep their eye on everything because they fundamentally don't feel safe. So the more that the masculine can create a safe container for her so that she feels safe, the more she can let her guard down and let go, the more he touches her and conditions her to love touch and to love stroking, to actually come to him and seek that out without there being a quid pro quo or an expectation that she's going to have to do something to have that touch. That really sets up a nice frame, a base, a solid foundation from which you can then layer on the next things, which are unlimited massage, unlimited full body touch. And there are four kinds of touch. There's healing, nurturing, sensual, and sexual. And often men go right to sexual. And because what they want is for you to touch their penis right away because that's comforting to them. I'm you know that's that's a very important thing for guys is to actually have genital touch, genital appreciation. 
And yet women don't think to do that because they don't want their crotch grabbed, their breasts grabbed. They don't want that. Except when they're old, when they're ready and they're turned on, then they want those things. But a woman, you have to start from the outside and work your way in. You have to start at the extremities with things like stroking her hair, kissing her cheeks, kissing her neck before you ever kiss her lips, rubbing her feet, rubbing her hands and her arms and her back, and then her butt, and then her belly, and then her breasts, and then her genitals. So for her, her arousal pattern is very long and slow. And a guy has to get into the mindset that he loves to touch her. He loves to pleasure her. He loves to be close to her. He loves the feel of her skin. He loves to relax her. He loves to get her out of her head and into her body. And if he's not just trying to get to his goal, which is his orientation, simply because he's testosterone oriented. And so it's na his natural inclination is goal orientation, complete the act, get my penis in her vagina. And so he has to throttle himself to meet her, to get her toward the pleasure of intercourse. And then he has to understand that if she is a woman that is not currently having <clears throat> multiple multiple inter, intercourse orgasms, that they haven't learned how to do that yet together. And that that's his long-term, if you want, goal is to help her bridge the orgasm gap, to teach her and help her body learn how to get so turned on and to help her body get so turned on that she's coming pretty much the entire time he has his penis in her vagina. And that he understands how to make love to her in ways that, you know, a lot of guys, they, they are like, um, they watch too much pornography. It's the only sexuality they know. And so they are basically plunging in and out of her vagina and they are like a piston and they think that's how sex is. Well, um, a lot of really good intercourse, orgasmic intercourse is, him inside her and her actually manipulating his penis with her pelvic floor muscles and massaging his penis while he barely moves. It doesn't require friction. Intercourse is not friction. Friction is not your friend, it's your enemy, especially the older a woman gets. Now, sometimes when a woman is very, very, very warmed up, she likes a good pounding. She wants friction. But when a woman begins to understand with her male partner that she's got this wide range of things she wants with regard to intercourse and all of sex, but I'm really trying to solve the penetration orgasm issue here because in my opinion, I think genital massage is crucial and oral pleasuring is crucial and intercourse is crucial. Those three things with full body touch and deep kissing and eye gazing and connected breath and connected heart, those are the components of passionate lovemaking, spiritual sexuality conscious, connected, um, possible connection to the divine, to Gaia, to source, to 
our connection to all living things and, and spirit. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm not all for genital massage. I think it's the foundation of good sex, but I think the pinnacle of good sex is intercourse where both people are in a level of pleasure where you can't tell where his orgasm starts and her orgasm ends, where you are just making each other have this one long, incredible series of orgasmic experiences as you are intertwined in this intimate connection. So <laughs> just to sum up what I said, he needs to take her from her mind on a million things out of her body, which is her general state, and slow her down and soothe her and connect with her and work slowly to bring all the blood into her genitals and to really get that clitoris erect. And when I say clitoris, I don't mean the little thing sticking out. I mean the clitoral head, the clitoral shaft, the clitoral legs, the clitoral bulbs, the G-spot, which is actually called the urethral sponge, the perineal sponge. The vagina has a cuff of erectile tissue around it, actually two interlocking cuffs around it. But women rush sex, men rush sex, people don't understand how to get full engorgement. Blood flow is as important for her as it is for him. She has as much erectile tissue in her body as he does in, in his, but he's very quick to fill up with blood. She's very slow to fill up with blood. It takes a long time to get, he, he's got a couple of chambers that the blood flows right into. She has all these funny little <clears throat> parts and nooks and crannies and tubes and sponges that have to get filled. And she needs vaginal lubrication. And the lubrication doesn't come from glands. It comes from her blood plasma. So she needs the blood flow to get the seepage through the walls to get the lubrication started as well. And if she wants to have ejaculatory orgasms using female ejaculation, that's also fluid that comes from the blood plasma down through the skein's glands into the urethral canal. And so that takes time to recruit as well. So if guys would slow down, do full body touch, make sure that they learn how to be incredible at genital massage, learn how to give incredible oral pleasure. And if she doesn't like oral sex, then she's never had good oral sex. Oral sex is unbelievably orgasmic. Manual stimulation is unbelievably orgasmic. Penetration is unbelievably orgasmic. All of those things are. And so literally, if she's not experiencing all three of those things, you just have to work harder. You need to learn more techniques. You need to improve your communication skills. You need to understand that every day she's different because she's very hormonally cyclical. So some days she wants you to ravish her and some days she wants you to hold her, stroke her, 
love her. Everything must be soft, 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 the lightest touches. Other times it's much more pressure and it can change by moment, by moment, by moment during one single lovemaking session. So that's how you open a woman to her pleasure is you stand for her patience in getting her to the point where she's feeling these experiences and you keep working on your skills and your communication together. Wow. Thank you, Susan. I think there was so much in there. Um, I just had a few, few things I wanted to just add here while you were talking. Cause I think like you said, that the man can obviously set himself a goal to try and rather than focus on penetration, focus on how to provide more pleasure for his woman that he's with. And I think one thing that might be important for, for men, though, to be aware of is not to put the pressure of the goal on the woman that they're with. Because I also know that if a woman feels too much pressure that she has to come, that can even be a factor that shuts her down in itself, like you said, being too stuck in her head and not be present with the pleasure she's experiencing. So I think it's important that men don't push their goal-orientated way of thinking onto the woman um, and they can obviously manage that themselves and, and then learn the skills with communication with their partner that they need. And also just to women that are listening out there in regards to, you mentioned the male ego, and you're right. And I think, again, this has something to do with how we are conditioned because men very much grow up with this idea that we should know everything, we should have a solution to everything. And a lot of men feel so incompetent when they don't actually know. And that's why it's so difficult for a lot of men to hear that maybe they could do things differently or maybe there's other things that would be far more pleasurable. And I think one thing that women could do to try and help their man be more receptive to listening is to try and address this fundamental fear that a lot of men have of not being enough, of not knowing, or not being good enough. And just start by explaining to your partner and say, it's okay, you don't have to know everything about my my response because how could you you know every woman is different and i want us to learn together what i really want is for you to have curiosity and i think at that it could take a lot of pressure off the man and realize that it doesn't mean he's not good enough just because he doesn't know all the skills required at this stage well first of all how could any man know anything we're not taught anything and porn is the worst teacher of sexuality there could possibly be. It's been completely skewed. Uh, it is not what women want. Porn is degrading to women. 96% of pornography, according to a study that was reported in Time magazine, it shows, depicts scenes of degradation to women. Degradation. And you're talking about the woman you love and doing the things you see on porn. It is the opposite. So um, you have to be very, very careful to separate your masturbatory habit from your lovemaking. Um, you know, obviously, I would love for men to use fantasy and to do so mutual masturbation with their partner. I'd love for women to be much more open and accepting of the fact that men like to masturbate every day, even if women don't. I'd like women to try to masturbate every day and try to try to say, okay, my goal of masturbation this week is, you know, I'm going to try to masturbate three times this week. I'd like people 
men and women, people across the gender spectrum. And I know we've talked a lot about just the male-female dynamic. And I do want to encompass all people of every gender identity. Um, Non-binary is totally supported by me. Um, But sex toys are one of the things that couples report that they do, that they are the worst at is integrating sex toys into lovemaking. After you've had orgasms from getting a genital massage, you've had orgasms from having your partner go down on you, you've had orgasms from intercourse, you can have some orgasms from your vibrator. Uh, You know, you should have as many orgasms as you possibly can whenever you want them in any way that feels good in that moment. Together, um, just both of you, He, he can masturbate, you can use your vibrator, It's all good. Just enjoy your sexuality together. Remove the shame. Ask for what you want. Pleasure each other. And I'll say another thing, and that is that um, oral pleasuring of the man, both manual pleasuring and oral pleasuring of the penis is really, really fun. Um, The penis is an amazing apparatus. I mean, that it can go from this tiny little thing to this impressive member is, I can't think of a more remarkable appendage of our body. And they look beautiful. Penises are gorgeous. They're magnificent. And playing with them is fun. Turning your guy on is fun. Making him feel great. Letting him lie back and get pleasured, get touched. But often, women are afraid to do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't handle a penis very much, so they don't really know what they're doing. And number two, there's this expectation to take the guy all the way when that's not really necessary. He can take him, he can finish himself off if he needs to at any time. What women don't understand is guys are masturbating constantly, right? But guys are hiding it. They're furtive. That should be out in the open. If he wants to masturbate, If he's horny and he wants to masturbate, he wants to have an orgasm, he should have one. Guys need to keep their sperm fluid, floating, you know, fresh, because they're biologically wired to need to have fresh semen so that if they have the, you know, if opportunity knocks, they're ready to go. So it's healthy to masturbate. And for her, the more she masturbates, the more orgasmic expansion she'll experience, the more genital engorgement she'll have from day to day to day, the better her orgasms will get, the more kinds of orgasms she'll get. She's not going to blow out her clit from using a vibrator. She's going to learn how to come better. And when she starts to play with his penis and enjoy it with no pressure, and he tells her, oh, I like it this way, or try that thing. But he's not making her do the things he does. Like, guys have a certain way they get themselves off. They have a go-to strategy. So do women. Everybody does. This is my, like, path to pleasure. But the problem is that unless you expand that path to pleasure, when you start just enjoying whatever is and finding the pleasure in that, unless, of course, it hurts, and then you don't have to do it, the more that you just enjoy the sexy times together, the more confidence she gets in pleasuring him, the more she feels like doing it. And then the more she's 
desensitized, if you will, to his penis, although I hate to use the desensitized around the word penis because men have sensitivity issues, either premature ejaculation or inability or delayed ejaculation. So there, there are, there's a spectrum of issues that men deal with, of course. Um, but when she's playing with his penis and then she's comfortable with it, then she sees it a lot. Then she starts to love it and appreciate it for how amazing it is. And then she can be encouraged to just give it a couple little licks and enjoy herself. And as a woman starts to realize that if she takes the approach that going down on her guy for however long she wants to with no pressure at all, that she, if she takes her pleasure in doing it, if she just enjoys his penis on her lips, her tongue, her mouth, down her throat, she can start to give herself full body orgasms that begin in the throat from going down on him. So then she starts to look at his penis, not as, oh, right, that's the thing that's trying to get inside me with a bunch of porn star pissed and friction when I'm not engorged. Now it's, I'm craving him inside me on both ends and I'm getting off no matter where that penis is because I am now confident enough in my own knowledge of my own body, confident enough as a communicator in the bedroom, because I can say anything to my man. He just loves me to tell him everything. And he's always open to whatever I need in the moment. He never takes it as like him doing anything wrong, because how could he know I'm different every day? And now I want to go down on him a little bit. And now I'm using his tool for my pleasure. I'm getting off on his penis in myriad ways. Now you've got a happy couple because now he knows he's wanted, which is his biggest issue. He doesn't want to force himself on her, but he wants to make love to her. So that's, that's the trajectory of having a relationship where you can relax, ask for what you need. It's always different. You're always delighted by listening to your body, telling you what she wants or he wants in that moment. And you're just tuned in right there, connected, play by play, playing off each other. The pleasure's mounting. The pleasure, you're riding the pleasure waves together. At one hour goes by, two hours go by. You have to take a break just to have some water, have some lunch. It becomes relaxation, anti-stress, rebooting, connection, love, pleasure, etc. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I think <laughs> it kind of bring, brings us on. And again, there's, there's so much in there. And I think part of what you said as well is around that she can go down without feeling the pressure. And I think this applies to all genders that when we can take away the pressure of, of sex and actually remember that it's an in-moment exploration of each other and pleasure, it's both a physical and emotional experience, then it can come a playground where, as you say, we can express freely without the ego of feeling we should magically know but just be there in an acceptance space and accept what comes up and share that with each other and there's a really beautiful dynamic like you also described that can happen in that space um so yeah i just thought that was a really important point and i think it brings us a bit on to what we mentioned earlier in the podcast which i would love to talk a bit more about which is shame and sexuality and and both the 
impact or shame, but also potential ways that, you know, we can overcome that because even with the best sex techniques, it can be very difficult to provide that pleasure you're describing to somebody who feel fundamentally shame around their sexuality and body. So how can we try and change this pattern of shame that we created? And also, if somebody really feels very shameful around their sexuality, how can we help them feel more present in their body and, and understand the beauty of their sexual exploration? There are two ways to heal shame and trauma from, from, your, from your sexuality. Almost everybody has shame around their desires for sex. Almost everybody has shame about their genitals. Almost everybody has had some kind of sexually traumatic experience. So the very first thing to understand is that it's super common and so many people deal with it. The second thing to understand is that most people heal their sexuality with their partner. There have been so many partners who have helped a person, you know, their, their lover overcome whatever has happened to them through reassurances, through education, through conversation, through love, through uh, pleasuring experiences, through staying with them through the rough times and persevering to right the wrongs and rewrite their libido story. The third thing is that there are so many amazing sex experts, sex therapists, sex coaches out there in the market today that if a person has any kind of lingering issues, the benefits of going to a sex therapist are so valuable because if you if you let something that happened to you in the past control your sexuality then you've let that thing win you've let that thing control you your job is to to say i've been shamed i've been hurt i've been embarrassed i've been shut down i've been abused i'm going to fix it I need help. If your partner can't get you there, some partners can help you erase it, overcome it, and start fresh. If you can't, then go see a, go see a, a sexuality therapist because this is exactly what they're great at doing is fixing it and then creating a new story of who you are sexually and giving you the coping mechanisms to get over the trauma and come out the other side with a new view of your sexual potential. They not only heal the wrongs, they give you the tools to move forward in a positive way, to see where your, uh, your awareness needs to be expanded, your knowledge needs to be improved, so that you can have great sex. Because great sex is a fundamental God-given right that we have as a human being on this earth. Luckily, Homo sapien sapien, which is what we are, and we are part of the primate family. We're on the same branch of the animal tree as chimpanzees and bonobos, right? So we're a monkey, basically, not a monkey, a primate. A great ape is what we are. We are a very, very intelligent great ape. 
We can't forget that the simple pleasures of life are health, friends, family, food, lovemaking. And there is nothing on that list except sexuality that can ease the loneliness of humanity. When you connect with a lover in spiritual connection, it makes you feel that you're not alone. And when you allow trauma to have walled off your connection to self and other, you're doing yourself a great disservice. When you go through the process of shedding the trauma, getting perspective on it, forgiveness and compassion for your transgressor, when you take back your sexuality, then you have the ability to experience a level of pleasure that is missing for you other people are having and you deserve to. And when you do that, you end up with incredible orgasmic experiences, deep close connection, oxytocin generation, generation, generation. <laughs> uh, you get to have feelings of connection and pleasure and rebooting of your nervous system and calming yourself down and flooding yourself with good feeling hormones and neurotransmitters that simply make you a healthier, happier person who will live longer and live better. And you deserve that. And you need to take that thing that happened and move through it, work through it, let it go and move on. Thank you. And I think something I really want to add, and I heard you mention this before, um, it's about, because uh, you mentioned about therapy and dealing with some of the sexual traumas. I also think I would just want to mention somatic therapy because I think you mentioned yeah. that it had a big impact on you on another yes. podcast. And I know for me myself, it also had a huge impact on opening me up, um, more so in an emotional way, um, doing sex than in a physical way, but just as beneficial. Um, so I would just also recommend that people who are dealing with sexual trauma and feel stuck to really look up somatic therapists that understand how to work with the body because while we can do a lot in talk therapy, part of our mind and memory is stored somatically in the body and can only be processed in that way. So I just wanted to quickly throw that in there as well. Um, yeah, I think that's great, Thomas. I, I want to point you to a video series I did on betterlover.com with Arielle Gioretto. She's a global trainer of the somatic experience technique, which is also known as the Peter Levine formula. He was the inventor of it. Do you know the Peter Levine? Yeah, absolutely. One of my friends yeah. is a practitioner of somatic experiencing. Yeah, it's a beautiful practice. Well, Arielle trains in um, Denmark all the time, which is where you're from. Mm -hmm. That's one of her key training locations. I bet your friend's been trained by Ariel. Oh, interesting. I'll ask him actually. Yeah. So that series, we did a whole series on how somatic experiencing trauma release works for sexual healing. Mm -hmm. And we talked about if you're the person who's been traumatized, what the effect of somatic experience trauma release is. And if you're the partner of the person, what is the what can you do when your partner gets triggered 
And how can you help them work through it? And it's a very, is a very good friend of mine. And uh, so I was very fortunate to be able to bring her into my studio and uh, do a whole series with her. I mean, this is the kind of thing that people pay thousands of dollars to go to a workshop to learn from Ariel. And she did it for me on a, on a series of free videos. So it's, it's very powerful. Um, there's another thing I want to talk about with regard to traumatic release, body-based traumatic release, somatic, which is body-based, touch-based. And that is G-spot healing or sacred spot healing. Um, have you heard much about that? I'd love to hear more from you on it. I have heard a, a tiny bit, yeah, but I'm definitely open and I'm sure the listeners are too. I think it's really, really valuable for many, many women. If you feel inside a woman's vagina, there are, uh, there's something called the rugae, which is on the, uh, the, the vagina is like an, a pleated accordion. And it starts out with these little ridges in it. And as it, as it relaxes and gets turned on, the uterus pulls up and the and the and the urethral sponge pushes out gets full of blood and pushes out and the vaginal canal gets longer and when a woman starts out unengorged no blood flow not lubricated and not ready for sex and if she's had a lot of sexual trauma and it and it literally could not be physical trauma could have been never anything that actually happened to her yoni, which is another word for vulva, which is what we call the, the, the whole urogenital system of, of a female now. We don't call it the vagina anymore because that's just the, 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 the channel, the tube, one, one of the tubes in the urogenital structure. So the yoni is um, armored, emotionally armored because of trauma, shame, fear, ignorance, you know, whatever, all of those things combined. And um, when it's emotionally armored, it's tight and it's shut down and there's no blood flow. And that rugae, that ridgy area feels very hard. Her, her vaginal canal can feel very, very hard. What you're wanting is to stroke her vulva outside, over the mons, the outer labia, very slowly, belly first, body first, bring the blood in, get the blood going. And then when she's ready for you to enter her, um, and using a lot of organic oil and nut oil, like our organic avocado, organic sweet almond, organic jojoba. I don't care for organic coconut. I don't think it has the glide and the viscosity. And it's also an antibacterial, uh, has antibacterial properties. And I always worry about the vaginal pH. So it's not my recommendation, coconut oil. Um, so when you can get inside the vagina with fingers and, and very clean, very trimmed fingers, very clean hands. Um, if you are, if you work with rough and your hands are rough, just use very tight nitrile gloves and put the oil all on the outside. Uh, she won't even be able to tell if the gloves are nice and tight that they're, it's not your hands. Um, and then you want to massage the inside of the vaginal canal, as well as the outer labia between the channels, the introidal area, which is the entrance to the vagina, that, that sphincter. And excuse me, you want to get all of that tissue. What you want to, your, the intention that you have is the healing touch and the nurturing touch. 
where what you're doing is you're bringing blood flow to the tissue. You're just getting all that tissue loose and soft. And as you give a woman these these massages, these vaginal canal massages and these outer labial massages, essentially the entire vulva, you're going to see that that tissue is going to get pinker, springier. It's and ultimately a very healthy, soft, puffy, pink vagina will be open and full of puffy, wonderful blood. It'll be lubricated. It will be moving and contracting. It will be alive. And for many women who've had trauma, this is the most important healing work that can be done. And as she begins to soften and open and relax, she'll begin to feel pleasure. And as you start to press the top, the top ceiling of the vagina, you're actually stroking the urethral sponge. There's a tube, a spongy tube that goes all along her urethra, which is the tube that goes from her bladder and exits out above her vaginal opening where the pee comes out. That tube is spongy tissue. It's, ex it's the uh, homologous to the male corpus spongiosum, which is the one of the three erectile tube chambers that runs along the penis. And that's the spongy one along the bottom that wraps around the male urethra. That erectile tissue gets full of blood and gets really, really soft. And that's what's called the quote unquote G spot. I don't like that word because it's not a spot. I think it's confusing to people. And um, it's actually this whole area. And you'll see that that tissue start to push out of her vagina and kind of unfold. And that whole area, there's something about that area for many, many women that holds a lot of emotional upset. So when you start massaging that tissue, she could howl, scream, cry, shake, jump off the bed and run away. <laughs> She's going to be releasing her emotion. You are going to be, as you rub her, releasing her emotion. Those feelings will subside. You know you're making progress when that's happening. Those are good signs. When she knows it's coming and you just say to her, baby, just let it go. Let go, baby, let go. Tell me, harder, softer, tell me where. Where do you need it? And you just keep bringing that pressure and that stroking. And all of a sudden, things will just let go for her. She'll just become more grounded. She'll become more orgasmic. She'll become more calm. Nervousness, when she used to jerk, when she used to startle, when she used to knock things over, knock glasses of water on the table, all that's going to get calmed down for her. It's going to go away because she's been released. Thank you so much for that description. And uh, yeah, I think as you mentioned, just being able to be present when that release comes instead of becoming scared of it, 
is so important also to facilitate that healing of just be present with it. And I think one thing I just wanted to mention as we're talking about releasing sexual trauma, I think it's important to be quite aware. And I think, sadly, more women have obviously been exposed to sexual trauma. And I think, so especially for men, to just be aware of consent. I just want to mention that while we're having this conversation, because what often happens if you are, even if you are having consensual sex, is that if the woman suddenly goes into a traumatic response because something is triggered, she very likely can go into the freeze response. And it, in that response, she might be unlikely to be able to communicate that she actually doesn't want it anymore and it doesn't feel good. So the man also just need to, especially if you know her story and know she had sexual trauma, just again be present and be aware and notice if your woman ever goes into a freeze response and stop what you're doing and check in and just make sure that actually she is okay, and if she's not, she's unresponsive, then stop and, you know, just move away, give her a cuddle and settle down for a minute. And, yeah, I just want to put that in there because I think a lot of men are not even aware of that this is something that can occur, and even if it did, how to respond to it. And luckily, most men out there don't want to hurt women, so this is a way that you can make sure if you know your woman has sexual trauma to just be aware, and you can Google on the internet what a freeze response looked like and then just have a bit of awareness. So I just wanted to quickly mention that. Yeah, and I think even more than a bit of a cuddle, hold her, Mm. really hold her for a very long time. I have a sexual soulmate hug. It's called the soulmate embrace. You can get it at soulmateembrace.com. It's a downloadable PDF. I give it away for free. And it is um, how to really hold a woman because I guarantee that 99.99% of people have never been held properly the way that they really need to be held. And uh, it's a learnable skill like everything else. So I actually teach a deeply bonding, very arousing. Arousal starts in relaxation. Uh, for, For men, they are oriented toward the goal. So they feel like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to grab her crotch. I need to grab her nipples and get her turned on. I need to kiss her. You know, I need to get my tongue in her. That'll get her turned on. When uh, it's the opposite, actually. Uh, What gets her turned on is relaxing her, calming her nervous system, getting her in her body and letting her calm down and letting her get off her chest what she needs to get off. So my number one foreplay technique is called the soulmate embrace. And then when we were talking earlier about the fact that we're monkeys, we're in a, we're in a, you know, uh, an animal body, that we're hormonally cyclical, that we need different things in every different moment. And we need to be able to ask for what we need in a, in a way that our partner is hungry for the information. I have a technique that I give couples called the sexual soulmate pact, P-A-C-T, like an agreement. It's at sexualsoulmatepact.com. And it's an agreement that a couple can have together that will explode passionate lovemaking because for the first time, they'll not only feel comfortable expressing whatever is happening in the moment, but they'll love to do it because they'll get this positive feedback loop that makes them even better in bed together constantly. So those are two techniques that I'd love to give your listeners that I think are very fundamental and really set the foundation for um, 
having the communication and having the relaxation and deep emotional connection that are the pillars of hot sex. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that, Susan. So go check out those links and uh, I can put them in the description as well for listeners so they can go you know, check those out. And I think I could keep speaking to you for a long time, but I realize we're getting close to an hour. So I want to finish off with one last question here, because I think we obviously focused a lot on, on also around physical sensation in sex. And I think it's important to remember that we have sex because we want to feel something, whether that's love, connection, feeling powerful, feeling accepted, we want to feel something. And Yeah, I think an interesting question is how can couples that are listening out there incorporate emotional elements into sex more? So like you said, it doesn't just become this physical act because sex can be so much more and can encompass so much more. So what's a way for couples to introduce this if it's not something that they are doing at the moment? I always say that couples that play together stay together, especially in the bedroom. And what I think it takes to have a lot of fun and adventure, erotic adventure together that gets you talking to each other, that injects fun and takes the pressure off is to plan erotic play dates. Erotic play dates or sandbox dates are these fun little things that you can put on the calendar that say, okay, we're going to learn a new technique together. I'm going to practice going down on you. Um, we're going to do role play. I'm going to dress up in a naughty nurse's costume and we're going to play doctor or we're going to get a new sex toy and we're going to play with a sex toy together and see what we can do with it. Or we're going to try a new sex position or we're going to have sex in the dining room or uh, we're going to have a makeout in the SUV in the parking lot or whatever it is. Um, Having a list that you co-create of fun things you might like to do and try is a really good way to keep your sex life fun and growing. Your sexual growth is part of your personal development. You can choose to become better and better and get on what I call the upward pleasure spiral, where sex just keeps getting better because you keep learning new things, gaining new pleasuring skills, having new fun experiences together, where it's just another thing that you do just like Oh, I'm going to Pilates now, or I'm trying kettlebells, or I'm doing a hike up on this mountain, um, or I'm reading about these new books, or this new thing, or whatever it is. If you are a lifelong learner, a sexual seeker, if you bring that spirit into your lovemaking, into your sex life, um, you won't have problems with boredom. You won't have problems with bad sex because you together are in that kind of Buddhist beginner's mind, beginning as a beginner all the time together. Nobody knows anything. You're just learning together. You're laughing at your mistakes. It's just fun. That's, I think, the number one way to feel good about yourself, your sex life, your partner, and to keep just having more fun. Make it playful. And and I like that. Set time aside. Because again, I think we often have this fantasy that sex should just be 
you know, spontaneous, this romantic dream that it should just happen. We should just be with the kids, do our work, and suddenly it should just happen. Um, so I think actually that that's another good point in what you just said now, which is setting dedicated time aside um, and making sure that you have that space to do that. And it can be different things. Sometimes it can just be holding each other. Sometimes it can be practicing different touch, etc., etc. But just make sure that you actually prioritize it rather than, you know, live in this fantasy that it should just magically happen out of nowhere. There's one thing that I don't feel that I explained earlier in the podcast. Yeah, please go ahead. Can I? Yeah, of course. Okay. I think the number one thing that I want you to know about sexuality and about how to keep your sex life getting better and better, getting on an upward pleasure spiral is female genital massage. And not only genital massage, but something called an expanded orgasm practice. An expanded orgasm practice is a specific set of stroking techniques that is a clitoral stroke that allows a woman to get into an orgasmic mm, body and mind experience, and then to be able to ride that orgasmic pleasure for very long times. It takes the moment of climax, which is definitely a what I would like to call a patriarchal view of sex, the masculine view of sex, because men in their minds have been taught to tie orgasm to ejaculation. So men think that's what an orgasm is, is ejaculation when they're two totally different sets, you know, systems in the body. So men can have ongoing full body energy orgasms and then ejaculate whenever they want by learning ejaculatory choice and becoming multi-orgasmic men. Women think about that, you know, climax and they're done because that's the, the Masters and Johnson chart they've seen or the way they've seen men have orgasms. But actually, we all across the gender spectrum have the ability to get into orgasm and stay in orgasm and expand orgasmic pleasure. And a really wonderful couple's practice, and this can be female to female, it can be male to male, it can be male to female, it doesn't matter. Um, there's clitoral stroking technique and then there's a penile stroking technique that's very, very similar. Men might think about it as edging, where you get to but not at the point of no return and then you just stay there and ride that feeling without ejaculating. You could take a break and then you can take yourself back up to the point of no return and, and stay in that moment. The same thing can happen for the female bodied uh, with a very unique clitoral stroke that's kind of an up under the hood around two o'clock. But there's four, there's three bed, there's three opening strokes, there's a bread and butter stroke, there's a closing stroke. So it's a form that works like a charm to get a woman into an or get her up on an orgasmic wave so she can ride that wave a really long time and then take a little parasympathetic nervous system break and get back up on that wave and go even bigger wave, even longer, even bigger wave, even longer, stair stepping her orgasmic pleasure to places that she's never been before. And this is 
often called orgasmic meditation, expanded, expanded orgasm, extended massive orgasm, um, deliberate orgasm. So some people call it doing or due dates. It has lots of names and lots of people teach it over the years. My particular version of it for couples, heart connected version of it for couples is called expanded orgasm. And I have three free pleasure reports about the technique at expand her orgasm tonight. And I explain what is an expanded orgasm, the something called peaking, which is what you have to understand about the nervous system to get a woman to come harder and harder and more intensely and more incredibly. You have to understand this one little toggling of the nervous system because you can't just drive her full speed ahead. Almost all of the reasons why women don't come well is that they are pushed too hard, too fast. It's, it's about backing off and expanding. And then the third report is called touching for rapture. It's explaining how to touch correctly, to touch her clitoris, to get her into, to take over her nervous system and to get her into this orgasmic, onto this orgasmic wave so that she can stay up on it and ride it. And you're actually taking her, you're like the big wave rider that's pulling her into the wave on your jet ski. You're taking her into the wave on the jet ski and then she's up on the wave and you're actually holding her surfboard. You're behind her and you're pushing her along that wave. She's riding your ride. You're the giver and you're taking her. She's completely surrendered to the pleasure. And when a woman can come like that, when a man has the ability or a partner has the ability to take her into that level of orgasmic bliss, then it transforms her. It transforms her as a sexual being. That plus the genital G spot, G area release, emotional release, those two things in combination are unbelievable sex skills for anyone who wants to be the most incredible lover. That opens a woman to her pleasure like nothing else. Thank you for that, Suzanne. And also I really want to say, I think we should end this podcast, but also celebrating slowness because I think one thing I heard so many times from so many women is that they feel that they are taking too long and that again become a break that inhibit their sexual response and the fact is we need to get away from this overall mindset that we have to rush to a goal um, because it's so destructive for our sexual experience and pleasure and connection and I really feel instead of we could celebrate the female sexual response and that it's a long beautiful journey then there's so much joy in that and also for the men because when we can get over this idea of being so goal orientated but actually instead learn that the joy of the process and the journey and there is a lot of joy in that when we learn to slow down also for the man as you mentioned there's so much more pleasure also for men to experience in learning to slow down so I just want to finish this with all these great tips and advice that you shared and also say we should celebrate slowing down um, and I really just want to thank you Suzanne for coming on the podcast and sharing your many many years of experience um, with the listeners today and also you gave away some really good guides that people can obviously go check out and I recommend that you do so um, to learn more about the the tips and ideas that you shared today so thank you Suzanne. 
Thomas, thank you for giving me a platform to share my wisdom and experience. I really appreciate how heartfelt you are, the intelligence you bring to your show, and um, just the opportunity to have these kinds of conversations that heal the world. I know that you are a healer, and uh, that really resonates very, very strongly in you. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and come back for our new weekly podcast. Also leave a review to keep the positive energy going that really keeps me motivated to make more of these podcasts. If you want to learn the key skills to a safe, intimate and passionate relationship, then head over to sensor.com and join the free one hour webinar. The link is in the description. You'll learn the four reasons that relationships break down. How your attachment style may fuel conflict with your partner and how to break that cycle. Why people cheat and the one tip that can prevent it. The simple three-step formula to lasting love. So thank you for joining us today and I look forward to seeing you next week for another podcast. <music>